Hello, welcome to Secure Talk, your trusted source of information on the latest threats, trends, tools, and technology related to cybersecurity and compliance. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Secure Talk. My name is Mark Schreiner, and I'll be your host for this edition of Secure Talk. Uh, today, we're going to be talking to uh, Philippe Humo, who is from uh, or the founder of CrowdSec. And CrowdSec is an open source multiplayer firewall that is able to analyze visitor behavior and provide adapted response to all kinds of attack. Now, I got to be honest with you, Philippe, um, I have no idea what I just read. So <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have to dig, dig into that for a second. But before we do that, um, can you just tell me where are you? Yeah, sure. I'm based in France on the west shore, a bit south of, uh, a bit um, on, on the south of Brittany. So wow. it's a nice little shore, but the company as such is based pretty much everywhere. There's no specific area, I say. Okay. We're in Paris, and, we are in Bordeaux, we are in Nantes, we are, you know. And, and how are things in terms of, uh, you know, COVID restrictions and everything like that where you, where you sit? Well, it's been, say, decently handled and the people are F serious uh, or, sh I mean, it's not so bad, really. And we are not in a very dense area, so it's, it's fairly okay, I'd say. Uh, we have lifted most of the restriction. We can move around. Uh, and at some point, even in public places, we didn't have to wear masks, but it's, it's back again now, I think so, because there's a, a new surge in the, in the new cases. Yeah, it's interesting here because um, it's the flu season. I'm in Seattle. Um, the rain came a couple of weeks ago and the, everything gets colder. And, and so you have a lot of people getting colds. I have uh, th three, three boys. And, uh, you know, they go to school and they get sick and then everybody's like, ah, is it is it the COVID? Is it not? And um, and so people are starting to get cautious again, which I, I, I think it's probably better to err on the side of caution. But um, well, it's good that things are opening up. Hey, so why don't you um, give us a little bit of background, um, you know, your personal background? And first off, how did you come to found uh, CrowdSec? And then we'll actually get into uh, what the solution is. Yeah, actually, uh, my personal background is about like IT security. Obviously, I was a pen tester, uh, okay. so I learned my trade in the school, and then after I with my work in the industry, created my my first company right out of the school because you know it was my mindset. And uh, later on, um, we had a secure hosting uh, company for a while, so we created literally a secure stack that was kind of complicated but very very efficient. And um, we wanted to give, to bring to the market something similar, but without all the hassles, all, all the complexity, all the problems, all the regulation, all, you know, like it took literally two months before we could put any site into production. So uh, with my CTO, we said, okay, there's a way of making it like nicer and, uh, and you can get uh, secure in a straighter way without all the complica complicated uh, things. And this is how we came uh, uh, with CrowdSec. And the original story, say the inception moment, was when we were defending a website from a very known uh, fashion brand. Actually, it was a sport brand to be accurate. And the guys were having, um, you know, an attacker that was using more than 3,000 IPs to scan uh, their websites. And um, so it was extremely distributed. And the system worked so well that we actually burned those 3,000 uh, IPs, and it worked. And we were like, okay, what do we do with this? Because it's actually, you know, it, it's meaningful information that the industry could use elsewhere. I mean, our other uh, competitors or collaborators or whatever. And we found no proper way of sharing this information, let's put it like this. So 
Um, we decided we could do something about it, like collect in a better way and distribute in a better way, hence this kind of multiplayer firewall approach. Okay, so that makes sense. You you know you you, you were you had had an attack. Um, you figured out a way to kind of identify these uh, these IPs that uh, were were up to no good. Uh, but so and then you you morph that into a product. So now now let's let me put my my customer hat on and and you're 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 selling to me. Um, so why should I be talking to you? Because I mean I you know Microsoft has uh, you, you, they have, they have their IP blacklist. You can whitelist. You know um, they share they have a huge amount of signal. You know probably more signal than anybody in the known universe right now. Um, so, so what's different and, you know, and talk to me. Yeah, sure. Um, the first thing is, um, that most of the people that are currently having a huge, uh, number of signals, they are using their own network, right? So they see everything that the hacker is throwing at their network. So say, for example, if you're Akamai, you see everything that's thrown at Akamai, but everything that is not thrown at Akamai, you don't see. A second thing is a lot of them, like Kaspersky or Microsoft or others, they are focused on the uh, workstation, right? So it's more a need DR landscape for, for the listeners. EDR uh, is really like the glorified name on antivirus, likely. Uh, mm -hmm. And yes, they have those, uh, those information, but they see only and solely what is uh, targeting their uh, uh, workstation, literally, not this, the exposed server over the internet. So that's, that's kind of a difference. And another thing is it's private uh, Intel. It's not shared, actually. They use it. They use it for the greater good. I'm, I'm guessing they use it for the greater good, you know, to protect everyone and so on. But that is still proprietary information that is within the walls. Uh, what we're doing is 100% different in on, over the three axes. First of all, it's public, open source, and free. So if you partake into the system, you're getting all the list of IPs that are considered as dangerous for you, for your technological footprint, for free. And it's not encrypted. It's, it's like really public knowledge. It's generated by the network, by the network for the network. So it's really, uh, it's really as simple as it comes. Second thing is we're protecting exposed resources, server and services that are uh, you know, listening or offering services directly over the internet. So that can be compromised directly on distance, which is, by definition, not an EDR. It's more like an IPS, IDS, HIPS, call it whatever you want. It's like a nitrogen detection or intrusion defense system or protection system, right? Um, and uh, last but not least, I will challenge, hopefully soon, the size of the network because we are growing extremely fast. So I'm not saying obviously like Windows have a way larger footprint that we will ever have, but uh, when it comes to the size of the collection network, the CTI network, let's call it like this, uh, we have one of the largest actually. Even Akamai, we're discussing with them lately, and they say like they have a couple of thousands of servers listening, but we already have more than that in, in the network because it's free and open source. So people are adopting it and using it wherever they want, whenever they want. And uh, so the network effect is growing by the day. So no, I, I get that. So um, <clears throat> you are kind of... Uh... I guess platform agnostic in terms of or, or network agnostic. You're just saying, hey, if you want to join the community, um, it, your your price of entry is. I, I guess what you're saying is your price to entry is just sharing your data with us with the network, right? And so if we if if we have this platform where we can all share the uh, the bad IPs with each other, we can learn from each other and protect the uh, the group. 
how does it work in practice? Um, you know, if I if I wanted to 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 check this out, what would I what would I have to do? I'm an IT admin or yes, some somehow re, um, involved with security. What do I need to do? Yeah, sure. You can go on GitHub, which is the uh, the obvious uh, you know lighthouse for the project. So you can download the software. Uh, we also have packages for various uh, Linux distros uh, on Package Cloud. So there are stuff for Debian, for Red Hat, for CentOS, whatever you're using is probably there, FreeBSD and so on. Um, so we have ported it as much as we can. It's written in Go language, so you can run it in containers if you feel like, it's really super easy. Um, and there are two components. One is the IDS per se, it's really mm -hmm. the agent. It's the one detecting the aggression in your logs. So there are the logs you acquire with the agent. It's reading them uh, constantly and it's applying scenarios. Scenarios could be like, I don't know, credit card stuffing, credential stuffing, layer C DDoS or ransomware or attack or post scan, web scan, you name it, right? Once credential brute force, obviously. So once you have identified one of those threats, the second component is the IPS, the intrusion protection system, which is what we call bouncers. So there's a library of 17 bouncers so far and counting. Uh, and you can remedy the problem at the level you want in the manner you want. So we wanted those two components to be separated to adapt to the modern networks, right? You, you, never, you never anymore have like the same monolithic, monolithical stuff in the same place. So pretty much all your services are fragmented. So maybe you want to detect where your log pit is and you would want to, to block the, the threats, to remedy the threats on your firewall or reverse proxy or website or whatever. So say you want to use, I don't know, an Nginx bouncer and the Lua script that comes with it, then you know it will be fed with the IPs that have been detected by the IDS. Well, that's cool, it works all by itself, it's super cool. But on top of that, if you allow it, because you don't have, you don't have to, but if you allow it, you can also benefit from the crowd wisdom. And what it does is every time your IDS detects something, it's shared with us, CrowdSec. We validate the signal as being pristine and not something forged or you know, a poisoning attempt or a false positive. And once we're sure about that, we share again back into the network to all instances of the IPS around the world, the IP that has been nefarious and dangerous. Meaning your IPS are fed both by the behavior seen in your logs and the reputation as seen at the level of our network. So, so that's interesting. How do you validate um, that that's, that a signal is is not a false positive? I mean, you, you must have an automated way to do that, but how, how does that work? Yeah, well, first of all, you have to know that the only thing that is coming out from your network, should you allow it, is the timestamp. When did uh, this thing happen? Uh, the IP that tried to compromise you and the scenario it tried to trigger against you, right? So say, for example, credential brute force. So we get the signal uh, and eventually we get signals from around the globe around those. So maybe this IP, say ABCD, has been seen by others and not by you, just you, right? So what we do and the tricky part is to give votes at the table. So we have a table, sit as a tribunal, right? There are eight judges and they come whenever they have an opinion around the table and it has to be different entities. I mean, like, for example, if you're one hacker and you would spawn 3000 machines and you will vote against an IP, all of a sudden you would only count for one vote. You would be one entity. And if you were the only one doing this, then we'll say, okay, well, sorry, it's not enough. The network has not reached a correlation level uh, enough, sufficient enough for us to distribute this IP. So this is one of the first 
mechanism. The second thing is you have a probation period. You cannot step into the network and say, all right, fine, I'm going to broadcast stuff. No, you, you have to wait for six months. So the worst case scenario is the same hacker would have to reinforce us for six months before losing all his credibility in just a matter of minutes. The last, the, the, the other thing we have is we also have a honeypot network, our own honeypot network, so we can correlate events ourselves as well. And we have a um, whitelist system, which we call the canary list. You're not allowed to shoot a canary. Say, for example, you try to ban Microsoft update uh, IPs or Akamai core IPs or, or Cloudflare DNS or whatever. It's just not allowed. You, you cannot do this. Uh, it will not go through the network. And the last stage of, the, of this kind of rocket is um, a system which is AI-based. Let's put it like this. So we are looking for weak signals or where the noise to ratio is really low. Say, for example, someone wants to evade uh, the system and is really crazy enough to use 65,000 machines to scan each one port. So mm -hmm. 65,000 different machines would scan only one port on your machine. We cannot you know, decide that it is a dangerous uh, behavior for one IP, but the AI will see the global behavior of the 65,000 machine as working as a hive and they will be blocked then as such as a hive. So this is more or less how we deal with this. That's pretty pretty comprehensive. Um, let's go back to the name CrowdSec. Um, why do this, I, obviously the crowd is everybody who subscribes to the service and then they give back to the service, but in terms of developing the platform itself and, and you know continuing to develop it and evolve it, um, is that driven pretty much by you and your team, or is that also um, a, a function of the crowd? Yeah, both actually. Uh, so the crowd, obviously, you're right, is, is generating the signal and network effect, but it's also contributing to the development because the problem is the following. When you do such kind of a, because it's a toolbox, you can see it like a metasploit, but of defense, right? It's really a toolbox to defend yourself. You can protect TVs, car, uh, or, or planes with this, like analyze planes logs to see what is the problem with the behavior of the plane, for example. So we really are providing a framework. Let's put it like this. So this is mostly our core team doing this. But say you want to adapt it to a bank uh, environment, and those guys have like IBM uh, AS400 in the basements. We don't have those, right? So we don't. We cannot try to elaborate scenarios on that because first of all, we are not business. Uh, in the business of banking, so we don't know exactly what kind of attacks could be thrown at those machines. And we don't have the machines itself, so we don't see the log format and stuff like that. So people are highly uh, highly uh, encouraged to contribute scenarios, uh, parsers for the logs as well. And if they want also bouncers, we're accepting code. We also are accepting code in the core, should, should the contribution be meaningful and clean enough. And uh, we are more like the guardian of the temple to be sure that everything is clean, accurate, and logical, and of good quality, and can go into production, uh, rather than you know um, being the sole master on board. We really want this to be a, a common adventure, a common adventure to all the people that are minded, uh, like-minded. We are fighting a war against cyber criminals, and they are organized. They are teaming together. They are bending together. They are you know, breaking down the work into little lots that they are organizing all together. And uh, we are facing an industry that has something like the GDP of the third biggest country in the world on the table for loot. You know, they want to loot this. So you can be sure that you are facing a very organized army of cyber criminal. And we are lambs. I mean, we are behaving like lambs, like trying to defend ourselves each on our own 
on different places of the dairy and we are being eaten alive one by one, no matter the amount of budget we put in our defense. What we try to bring at the table at CrowdSec is a universal tool that everyone can contribute to so that we are bending together, organizing the fight back so that, you know, we are not lambs anymore and uh, they will have complicated uh, problems to solve because we are attacking the only weak link in their economy, which is the IP address. They don't have infinite pools. This is not true, actually. So we are burning them down uh, and hence slowing down the crap out of their operations. Awesome. So what what's the challenge or roadblocks do you face in terms of you know growing your footprint? Well, first of all, there's the fact that we, you know, the, there is an adoption cycle. When you come into, say, a place like a hosting environment, they have tens of thousands of machines. So obviously, they have to do Q&A before, check that it's not going to break anything, uh, look that it's stable enough on a couple of hundreds of machines before generalizing the stuff. So there, there's this time dimension, which is not easy to, to pass through, actually. We just have to wait for the people to adopt it. The second thing is obviously we're already facing attacks and people that are trying to tamper with the consensus we are building. So it's okay, but we still have to be very proactive in terms of defending, defending ourselves, defending the consensus, defending the algorithm, uh, be sure that we are not uh, being played with. So it requires everyone to be very, very vigilant in the company because we get attacks every day, obviously. Uh, and that's pretty much it. Actually, we don't face any hard roadblocks in the sense that, you know, we have money for, to develop this economy. Um, we have been uh, seeded by a, a large investment fund. We have investment fund knocking at the door to, to bring more money in if necessary. The French government also uh, lended us some money, which is really nice and appreciable. So on the money front, we are fine. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking just, you know, those things take time. Developing the software, developing the network takes actually time. I see it as a roadblock, not as such like a natural roadblock, but we still have to overcome this time, you know, thing. A, a small little bump. Okay. Yeah. So, 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 you know, where I sit, and I have a, a bit of experience selling uh, cybersecurity-related solutions to enterprise customers uh, throughout the U.S. and Japan. Uh, trust is hugely important. And if I show up and, and I say, hey, I'm from IBM or, or Microsoft, et cetera, the, the doors open a little bit quicker, uh, more quickly, and, and, and the trust is kind of already established. I can imagine with an open source solution, like you touched on it a second ago, how do I know that, this, that the hackers haven't got in there and corrupted this code somehow that, you know, maybe I'm getting played. Like, you know, you're getting, you're getting my log information, but what else are you getting along with that? And, and is that a concern at all? Or, or, or is, is the system itself kind of self-proofing that, it's, uh, that it's working as intended? Well, the, the nice thing with open source as well is like, you can look into the code. There's no shenanigans here. There's no solar wind in the making or whatever. You know, you can look into the code, it's been updated. It's, uh, it's, it's clear as it can be. So if you can read Go, you see that there's no you know, problems or risks. We really uh, only export the minimum logs we need uh, to treat this up to the point that we are GDPR compliant. So it's a French, uh, not French, but European ruling system about data privacy, which is pretty strict. And the guy recognized that we are doing proper job at anonymizing, storing, and you know, so, yeah. yeah, I was just I was just wondering about log log data. I guess it would be some of the meta metadata um, that GDPR would be concerned about, right? I mean, user behavior and things like that. Is that I, I'm just curious with 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 uh, the logs. What would GDPR exactly be concerned with? 
Well, the thing is, uh, an IP address is considered as a private data uh, as per uh, GDPR. So if you can, can if you can link it to a, a person, right? No, 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 not even. Oh, because really? Okay. They, they consider that you will at some point be able to link it to a person. So we can go around with endless discussions around the fact that it's legitimate or not or whatever, but it's like this period. So an IP address is a personal data per se. So we have to deal with this. So the rulings that I am applying here is first, you have to collect the strict minimum amount of data to, to render your service. Then for the strict um, least amount of time you store them because you know you should not do this for a longer period of time. So they consider that on those two axes we're good. First of all, we're storing the data, uh, we are dealing with the IP address because as a matter of fact, uh, cyber criminals are not accepting a waiver saying, uh, I will okay. store your IP address to process your data. You know, So okay. obviously we have to do it. The second thing is we are keeping it for the very small amount of time. We deal with it and after we are allowed to keep it up until one year, but after six months, we are anonymizing it by uh, um, blurring the IP range, like extending it to a slash 24, for example, and blurring the date, the, the timestamp, so that it's not happening at 11.03.33 seconds. It's happening between 11 and 12. So with those two blurring systems, they consider that we have a degraded data that is solid enough not to pinpoint at one person, but it's still efficient enough for us uh, to uh, deal with the IPs that are, are considered rogue, right? Excellent, excellent. Hey, um, th this is totally off point, but uh, do you know who uh, Balaji Srinivasan is? No. Okay, so he um, he's he's a professor and a um, uh, a business person. He was the CTO at Coinbase for a while, All right. um, and he's been in yeah. I mean, he's he's been involved with several uh, and exited several. Uh, Crypto-related, um, uh, yeah, companies. Uh, but he 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 does this whole talk about uh, you know uh, uh, pseudonymized uh, economies in the future, and everybody would have a pseudonym, and and so you have that one layer of of separation. And 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 I, and I just was thought that if you heard some of this stuff, it'd be interesting to get your take on how that would re re uh, relate to IP addresses, because how do you get a layer between me and my IP? Um, but that's Go ahead. No, you're right. Uh, it's super interesting, and it's it's not only interesting in this dimension. I would love to meet the guy for another reason, is because we have a lot in common uh, with the blockchain, and we're actually thinking. So it's a bit of a spoiler alert here, but we're actually thinking about blockchaining the consensus. So bear with me here. It's a bit complicated, but the stuff is we would like to distribute an IP uh, address with the context around it, right? So. It is a smart contract at some point. You are entering the rogue zone for a certain amount of time, 72 hours actually, and you will be automatically cleared from this status should you not do any further violation after, within the 72 hours uh, uh, time frame. So this is a smart contract around you know, whether your IP is good or bad. The second thing is we could pay our uh, um, uh, users to report IPs you know, and as being one of the eight judges around the table of the consensus, every time the eight first person are reporting an IP as being dangerous, they would be paid with our coin. And yeah. our customer could use this coin to actually buy decision around the blockchain. And on top of that, it would decentralize us totally, so meaning nobody can take us down in terms of like attacking the API endpoint or something like this. So we're strongly thinking around this, but as a matter of fact, we are uh, cybersecurity experts and not blockchain experts. And mind you, it's like really very different fields. 
And um, I wouldn't say we have enough knowledge to really dig into this. So uh, discussing with a high level, uh, uh, you know, intellectual person around those topics would be really interesting. Yeah. I'll, I'll send you a link to a couple of his podcasts. Uh, I, yep. I don't know if you're familiar with the All In podcast. Um, no, okay, so that's uh, also like four Silicon Valley, you know, billionaires, and they they talk about pretty much everything in the world, <laughs> and okay. it's cool because they they'll they'll go from you know what's going on in crypto to what's going on in SaaS to what's going on in China, and hey, what's gonna what's India gonna be doing next year? And it's just really super fast paced, and then like every other week they'll have a, a guest on and um, Balaji was on one of their episodes. I'll send you some links. Hey, um, so let me ask you this. Tell me about the business model. I mean, you have some investors, so they're looking for the potential upside. How, how is that going to work? Yeah, yeah. So first of all, I have to say they are really patient and understanding. So we are in the seeding phase, meaning for the people that are not familiar with the VC uh, context, seeding means you are looking for your business model. It's not mm -hmm. yet set, it's proven new, it's fine. They are not you know, pushing us uh, too hard. So the, the point would be the following. We are creating a gold mine, right? Because we'll have the real-time map of all the rogue IPs of the internet at a given moment in time. So exactly like Waze had the real-time map or has the real-time map of uh, road uh, issues uh, worldwide in a, in a real-time fashion. So this is a gold mine. So digging into the gold mine as such is not so complicated. We will retail and we're uh, discussing right now about the pricing and stuff like that. For the people that are not sharing, but willing to benefit from the crowd wisdom, we are issuing you know, subscription so that they can have access to our CTI network and see what we see, uh, even though they are not partaking into the network. So it's free for the people that are sharing with us and it's paying for the others. This is the first access, logical. It's a SaaS product. And the other features we are pushing forward are things that allow you to have a deeper uh, uh, structure into how you want to filter it. So say, for example, you want to, your IPS to avoid like uh, web product, web shop scalping, you know, the people that are buying and reselling after on eBay, uh, all the PlayStation 5 and stuff, they are scalping boats. You don't want harvesters. You don't want also like Tor exit nodes and VPN exit nodes, and maybe, I don't know, IPs coming from Pakistan, say. Well, you can mix and match all these things together, have your own recipe, and send it to your IPSs all around the world on all kinds of machines, and they will, you know, apply and force your policy on the global network level. You also have a feature like, am I under attack, me and not the other, or am I attacking the others, meaning we are seeing your IPs coming into our consensus, which smells not so good because it means you have a problem, probably you've been compromised somewhere. So services like this, yeah. So th this is where we'll make money. Awesome. Well, hey, I mean, you clearly know a lot about, you know, your area of expertise. Where do you go to, to kind of stay ahead of the curve? How do you do that? Well, I exchange a lot with uh, my peers already, you know, with, with guys like you, Mark, and others in the industry. We are exchanging a lot on a daily basis uh, and uh, throughout the networks on Reddit, on, on LinkedIn, uh, on our Gitter, people are coming on Discord. So we and we are keeping up to date with whatever is happening on the market. So, you know, word, word of mouth uh, within each other's and uh, also my data lake, you know, that we are gathering on a daily basis is very instructive as to how cyber criminals are evolving uh, lately. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, we try to stay out of the curse with those uh, with those layers of, uh, of thinking and, uh, and exchanges. Exchanges are key. I mean, I really think we have tried all the other possibilities. Now it's time for participative security, not being a standalone entity against an army. It never worked. It never, ever worked before. 
So if we want to win this fight, or at least tip the balance of the war, we have to bend together and be participative and share with each other. Hey, you've got me motivated, man. That sounds awesome. <laughs> no, no, but I, but I totally see it. I mean, the, the whole concept of, of companies uh, working together, because security is such a sensitive area, right? And if I say, hey, no, but we can share our information and go, and, but, but uh, I mean, you know, we're just getting to this, it's okay to move things to the cloud kind of situation, right? And and and, and a lot of countries, they're not even, like, I, I just, I spent a lot of time in Japan and the whole, they're, they're several years behind in terms of, you know, migrating systems platforms to the cloud uh, because of that concern that want that, that that need to like hold things on-prem and the idea of sharing and working together with other other companies is is kind of a uh, revolutionary man but uh, but it, it totally makes sense to me hey um anything else that you'd like to uh, actually let me ask you one more question and then I'm gonna uh, come back to you and let you kind of wrap things up here um you mentioned that uh, you know you, you look at your data lake and and you you're able to kind of detect trends in terms of these this hacker activity can you share an example? Yeah, of course, like what has been very striking to us lately, and we are still leading into it. We have years ahead of us to really, you know, find out all the little crumbs, uh, breadcrumbs left by the guys. But basically what we see, which is very interesting, is like most of the IPs that are nefarious over the Internet have always been wrong. There, there was not a single day where they were not attacking whatever. So there's a lot of consensus on those IPs, a lot of reports on those IPs, and those are the majority, meaning we can kill this background noise activity. And no, they don't have like infinite pools of IPs. It's not true. They're actually using pretty much the same for, for a super long period of time. Say, there's a, there's a, uh, a quote uh, in our uh, line of work, which is, if you've never been visited by the number 31 Jingrong Street AS, you're not meaningful <laughs> over the internet. Because this thing is constantly attacking whatever is on the internet. So, uh, you know, this is really about those, uh, those group of IPs, those AS that are under the control and custody of uh, cyber criminals or state-sponsored cyber criminals, you, you put it like you want. Um, and it's easier than it seems. So yes, of course, there are some that are compromised for a very short period of time or used for some specific operations. But what we see mainly is the task doesn't, isn't so impossible as we thought it would be at first. That's that's a that's good information, a good trend to to hear. Um, lastly, what else would you like to share uh, about CrowdSec, about what's coming, you know, in in for the remainder of the year or early next year or anything else? Yeah, we are trying. We are trying. We're bringing a new tool and a new perspective and a new thinking at the table. I think uh, we can agree on that. So if you feel like you want to be part of this movement, this revolution, this war, and help us. You're more than welcome. Once again, it's open source. You can definitely contribute to it. There's no shenanigans. It's a mighty license. It's as free as it can be. So uh, please come join us, help us, and help everyone else uh, by creating scenarios, data connector, and things like this. We, we need you guys. Excellent. And if they want more information, uh, where, where can they go? They can go on crowdsec.net and don't go on crowdsex.net. It's probably something entirely different. <laughs> and they can go on GitHub as well. Thank you for that clarification. But now, <laughs> now I, I, I am a bit curious, but you know what? That's all right. <laughs> no, no, no. Don't be. <laughs> Don't be. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hey, well, hey, Philippe, uh, I really enjoyed this conversation. Enjoy your, you know, your enthusiasm and obviously your deep expertise in this area. Um, I wish you the best and uh, look forward to our next conversation. Thank you. Anytime. 
Hello, welcome to Secure Talk, your trusted source of information on the latest threats, trends, tools, and technology related to cybersecurity and compliance.